Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. Wales currently sends 40 MPs to Westminster, but that is soon to change. At the next election, Wales is set to send only 32 MPs, its lowest number since before the Second World War. The new Boundary Commission for Wales Review has drawn the constituency map and released its initial proposals. So joining me and Kerry tonight to talk through these proposals is Shireen Williams, CEO of the Local Democracy and Boundary Commission for Wales. Hello, Shireen. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Kerry. Evening. Thanks so much for joining us, Shireen. Just for the purpose of, of clarity, what exactly is this review about? And uh, can you give us like a very brief summary of, of what you are recommending? Okay, so I know you've introduced me as a CEO of the Local Democracy and Boundary Commission for Wales. We're actually doing this work as the Boundary Commission for Wales. We're two separate entities, but we are run by the same secretariat. So technically, I'm the secretary of the Boundary Commission for Wales, just, just in case my commissioners on the other side of the house start panicking and then saying, oh my God, what are you doing? So this particular review is uh, something that we're actually meant to be doing once every five years under the old Parliamentary Constituency Act of 86. We were meant to do one anyway this year. However, um, it's being done under slightly newer rules. The whole aim of the Parliamentary Constituency Act is actually really to equalize the number of uh, registered voters to MPs across the four nations. What was the remit you were given with regards to Wales' Westminster constituencies? So there are some very strict rules that we need to uh, follow. So the first one is that Anismon is a protected constituency. So Anismon is untouched by this review. So I think I might be really popular right now with the people of Anismon. Yay! And then um, the second thing is that um, prior to sort of announcements of the review, all the four nations got all the secretaries of the four of the boundary commissions of four nations got together. First things first, six hundred and fifty MPs across the four nations. We take out the number of protected constituencies, and then we take out the number of registered voters from those protected constituencies, and then we do a mathematical exercise to divvy up the numbers. We get the what we call the um, the EQ, the UK electoral quota, and that for this review is basically the number of leftover registered electors divided by the number of leftover seats. And what we've got for this current program, it's 73,393. We can only go uh, plus minus 5% for that. There are z- no exceptions. If you're part of the, uh, if you're not protected constituency, it's plus minus 5%. We have to uh, look into things like what our building blocks are. So for, for Wales, um, our building blocks are we, you know, community boundaries, but we use electoral wards to build out uh, our community boundaries. And that's really the strict remits that we have to work within. And once we did the mathematical exercise, it turns out it's 31 constituencies plus one protected constituency for Wales. Were, were there any other factors you were asked to take into consideration or is it just strictly the numbers? So things like um, special geographic considerations, but that's at the discretion of the commission, really. So we looked at uh, mountains, hill, lakes, rivers, islands, uh, valleys, we looked at community ties, so things like the Welsh language. I, I like using the Welsh language because it is a community tie, so it's looking at actually, um, as part of our prep work, we looked, we, we created a heat map looking at sort of the distribution of Welsh speakers across Wales minus Anismon and see, okay, are those, um, no, do we need to make sure we group some of those communities together because there is a binding community tie. So those are some of the elect- uh, some of the limit uh, rules we have to look by. Uh, we were restricted by, and another one is the local government boundaries. So we had to use the local government boundaries in place on the first of December, twenty twenty, or those that are in order form for Wales specifically. 
we had no local government boundaries that were in order form. It's all the old, the existing local government boundaries that we have to use by. And last but not least, we have to use the March 2020 electoral register. So that's quite crucial because we've had lots of comments on why you're just using registered voters rather than population data. You mentioned the language, but are there any other sort of ties that you consider sort of historical? Yeah, we would consider things like um, historical ties. When we were preparing the initial proposals, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy trying to come up with this. I mean, imagine being given a puzzle, but with no pieces and a picture there. And your job is to cut up, create beautifully shaped uh, jigsaw pieces that you need to adjust to make sure it fits and still form the same perfect picture. That's what we had to do. So, so in, in our development work, we looked at local authority boundaries. So actually um, the lines that separate Monmouthshire from Newport, from Torvine, we looked at existing parliamentary constituencies. You know, would it be possible to just make small adjustments and not be too disruptive? Well, as you can see from the pro proposals, not really. Um, <laughs> and we looked at uh, towns, cities, and see some of those in the rural and um, urban factors as well. So, and you know, Wales is a very complex place. It's very diverse in terms of rurality and urban areas, how communities live, even within a city, the spread of voters, for example. It, it, those are things that we have to take into account. What's the feedback been like so far? You, you said you, you're, you're <laughs> loved in Anismon, but what about everywhere else? <laughs> I'm going to be moving to Anismon, obviously, after all this is over. <laughs> um, the feedback has been mixed. Some people have been pretty positive about it. Some have been quite critical. Some have just spent most of their time name calling. Let's not go there. You know, and I think the struggle we've had is the fact that lots of people are unhappy about the reduction of numbers, but that's not something the commission can control. So it, it's been mixed. And I think, you know, what I find really positive is that this is the first time in a long time that we've actually struck out on our own. In the past, Boundary Commission for Wales has always published with Boundary Commission for England to sort of ride on the on the publicity and things like that. And I thought, no, you know, it's my chance to influence sort of how we run things as a new secretary. And we decided that this year, Wales will do it alone. And I think it's worked out quite well uh, in terms of the publicity we've had, the conversations we've seen online, the feedback we've had. We've already had quite a number of representations coming in to the inbox. So that's really, really, for me, it's a positive. Even the negative bits, if, you know, the way I see it, if people don't like elements of the proposals or if they don't like it at all, let us know. And what's more, what's important to me is actually you let us know what works for you. Do you think um, with the submissions you've had to date, people have really understood the remit and the difficulties you've got in making these uh, decisions? Uh, some do, some don't. We've had some of we've had some angry representations. We've had some nice representations on suggestions for names. We've had actually some really good localized. Uh, representations where people are saying actually how about you, you um, putting this one and the what next to mine in the same constituency because we actually use the same shared services and it mirrors a certain health board, border etc so those are the type of things which have been really really helpful for us. Are any of the submissions confusing um, the various other public boundaries we've got in Wales like what you're suggesting shouldn't have any effect on the senate the local government but do you find that those are being mixed up at all in any of the submissions? Um, they are. Uh, we've had uh, one, you know, get, get really upset because they think they're going to be moving out of their local authority area. So most most of the time when we get representations, it's a sort of a standard reply where we say, look, we've, we've received it. We acknowledge your representation. But in some of the responses where it's been really, you know, where sensitive info is being shared or people are really upset that they're moving out of their local authority area or they think we're moving them out of local authority area. I actually write to them 
officially and say that's not what we're doing here's what we're doing actually it's around the constituency uh, boundaries so um you know be rest assured you will still remain in your local authority area your postcode on isn't being changed though we had a submission today about somebody asking to be moved from their local authority area to the one next door to mirror their parliamentary constituency so uh, we have had some very interesting requests but it is it is it is confusing i think your average voter who might not be super politically aware you know it can be confusing understanding the process you've been through i think we we understand how difficult it is but are you able to just talk us through some of the kind of key changes that you have recommended uh, at the moment some of the most high profile aspects that uh, you've brought to our attention um, I think some of the key areas being changed, obviously, uh, if I start from, from Gwent, for example, some of the recommendations we had does tidy up Monmouth and Torvine quite well, because for a very long time, some people who live towards the edge of Torvine are part of Monmouth, and then you've got bits of Newport in Monmouth, bits of Monmouth within some of the, new, one of the Newport seats. Um, I have had some feedback. I, I'm, I'm originally from, I live in Newport, so I've had messages through my Facebook, Newport and Caffili, what were you thinking? So there's, there's some of that going on. You know, it's hard. It's hard. Change is very difficult. And my response to that, okay, if we can't, you know, we can't have two individual Newport seats because the numbers don't work, which bits of Newport do you want to combine with other parts of Gwent? Or would you be happy if some bits of our, um, of the Newport wards were combined with Cardiff instead? That usually, you know, they're like, oh, maybe not then. <laughs> well, I, I used to work in... Uh in Newport West, Shireen, and uh, that was very interesting for me to see yesterday when I started looking at the map. But to be honest, from my own personal experience as well, everyone who lives in Marshall says they live in Cardiff anyway, so you probably would agree. <laughs> so we can send them, we can join them. Well, I look forward to the people of Marshfield letting me know that we don't mind being part of uh, the Cardiff seats. Um, and obviously um, some of the more, uh, when the uh, Arvon and Bivo Meriones combinations obviously we were splitting um, Bangor away from Carnarvon so um, that seems to be seems to have gotten quite a lot of narratives uh, online and sort of the uh, Pembrokeshire Priscelli seat as well which obviously is another interesting one and uh, we've had feedback on our names as well some people don't like long names uh, we've had uh, some people get quite excited over the Glindur name in our proposals so it's a really mixed bag I have to say. One of the things I think people don't realise is that uh, political parties tend to submit their own proposals uh, to the commission and what they would like to see in the constituencies. The, you know, was that a difficult process for the commission about balancing out the priorities they may have submitted? So uh, the uh, political parties haven't submitted anything yet. They will be submitting, I, I, I expect, um, submissions from political parties to, you know, to come in within this eight-week period for the, on our initial proposals. They'll probably submit uh, something else again in the second round of consultation and obviously the public hearings. How we did it was basically uh, the staff, everyone came up with different sets of schemes with different limitations or different uh, combinations. And we sat down with our commissioners, looked at what worked best. The numbers had to work, the connections and the cohesive communities element had, had to work. The one thing we didn't even look or consider is actually the polling data or the outcomes of elections, et cetera, because that really, uh, it wouldn't have been appropriate for us to do that. And it also would undermine the impartiality of the commission. So you've mentioned it a little bit, Wales and Anismon. How 
much of an impact did preserving Anas Mon as a unique constituency have on the rest of the review for Wales? From what I understand, obviously I wasn't involved in the previous round of uh, review programmes. The previous review programme, we had to reduce Wales down to 29 seats, including Anis Mon being part of that 29. I think that caused a lot of difficulty for my colleagues back then and the commissioners because it, it created some really difficult constituencies to manoeuvre and having Anismon completely out of our hands and just done it just made it really a, a touch easier to split the 31 amongst what's left behind. Obviously you say you weren't involved in the last the last review where it was Wales was going down to 29 MPs but from the colleagues you're working with how much harder was that process do they say than the one you've just done now because it obviously you've got less room to play with, right? With three fewer MPs. What are, the, what are the sort of different challenges you've got when you're doing this sort of review and, and with different numbers? The challenges are the same because you're actually trying to fit in, uh, you know, plus minus 5% of the EQ. I suppose the fact that you've, had a, you've got a few more seats now within a, a slightly smaller space means you can draw your ward boundary. You can make different combinations. Whereas with, you know, in the past, you'd have to make sure that Anismon, there's only one option for Anismon, in terms of combinations, whereas now you can go different ways, particularly so in the North Wales area, there's different combination of electoral wards that could work that would give you the numbers that you need. And we've had to deal with it we, when we were doing our like you know drafts upon drafts upon drafts and different sets of schemes. You know, you move one one ward, which you think, oh, that's such a it's a small ward. There's only eight hundred people there, and the next thing you know, your whole map is just messed up because it's got a, a domino effect on all the surrounding constituencies you've created, and you're like, oh, it's such you know, you created some beautiful work, and it's gone because your numbers are all just messed up. So when you're actually starting the process of making this map, I'm trying to envisage this. Is it <laughs> is it sort of a process where you just look at a map of Wales and try and carve out population centres and then do you work backwards or do you start from the building blocks of trying to put wards together? So we start, so we've got, so our software, so we've got, we've inputted all our electoral wards with all the numbers and then you start, so one, one member of the team would start from the north, another member of the team would start from the south and then, you know, we realised that for some of the um, proposals that we've put together, regardless of where you start, you end up with the same a similar type of uh, constituency. So we're like, all right, that clearly works whichever way you start with. So we're going to start from there. We're going to take those as of, you know, our base. Um, and then we sort of build from around it um, and, and and go from there, really. One of the, one of the things we're going to do after interviewing you, Shireen, is, is talk through and analyse some of what's been recommended. One of, one of the things I'm interested in is around the whole process for creating the new boundaries and I'm, I'm going to talk around you know senate boundaries and local authority boundaries do you think there's limitations in the process we're using to define these things or do you think it, it is as you've described just one of those things where you've got to take everything into account the the eq obviously the electoral quota and the plus minus five percent does make it quite difficult for us but you know we work within the rules we're given that's the crux of it. We also happen to do the, you know, the other side of the house, the local democracy side. We do the electoral wards creation. So we've got a lot more flexibility with that. As a commission, we would take, you know, our variances go up to 20 plus minus 25%. So there's a bit more flexibility there. And in terms of, you know, I forgot to mention this, Matthew, earlier on when you said, what's, what's the difference to sum down between previous reviews? In the past, when we've done reviews, parliament has to agree to them. 
that steps of the that part of the process has now been taken out with this um, particular review. It's now going to be implemented through automaticity, which means, I suppose, from our perspective, it does really emphasize the independence of the commission that it will have to go through for the next round of, of uh, general elections. I don't want to put you on the spot on a few things, but I'm sure you're well prepared this week and all sorts of questions. But it's, it's true, really, that Wales does traditionally have smaller constituencies to England and Scotland. So is the work you're doing now, that, that numbers game you referred to, is that now, apart from the protected constituencies, it's all the same? It's that 73,000 figure plus minus 5% across the UK? Yep. So all four boundary commissions are working to the same electoral quota and we're working to the same plus minus 5%. Forgive me because I, I haven't read up on it, but do you know off the top of your head how this has impacted the other nations? Is it right that England's gone up around 10, uh, something like yep. that? Uh, England's gone up around 10. Uh, I think England's gone up 10. We've gone down eight and Scotland's gone down by two. Northern Ireland stays the same. Uh, you're going to ask me which, I, which is I, the I, smallest constituency in Wales, and I had it all prepared in front of me there. Oh, no, we want the stats. Give, <laughs> us, the, give us the stats. We want the stats. Oh, I'm trying to look now. I think that currently the smallest constituency in Wales is Arvon, with 42,657 uh, registered voters. And the largest one, I believe, is um, Cardiff South and Penarth, with 78,238 registered electors. So on the size of the constituencies, uh, under your review, geographically now and numerically, what are the largest and smallest constituencies? Numerically? So for us, we have got, well, again, without Adismon, the largest one, let me see, I've got 76,000 here somewhere. I don't think we hit the 77 for any of these, so we've been quite good. Uh, Aberavan Porth Call is the highest. On a quick look on my list, yes, there we are, 76,792. And we've got a 69,000 here somewhere for Aberconwy. 69,909. Great. And now geographically, because <laughs> we, uh, you know, we are always told that Brecon and Radnor is the size of Luxembourg, or used to be the size of Luxembourg and the biggest constituency, it, it, you know, in Wales. Is it still the biggest constituency in Wales or has the Ceredigion Preseli seat? Oh, I'm thinking, which I'm is now... at, on the map, it looks like Ceredigion Preseli might be it, but I could be wrong. I'll have to have a double. I'll, I'll have to get back to you on that one, which okay. one's the physically the largest, largest constituency. Brecon and Radnor has grown as well, hasn't it? It's taken on. Uh, so I'm from Brecon and Radnor, Shireen, so I, I've oh, taken an interest in that. And I think you've brought a little bit more of urban South Wales into. To Brecon and Radnor for, for that. So that, that, that's a slightly interesting subplot of that. So Brecon and Radnor's grown anyway, Matt. And, and actually, yes, you're, it is the largest. It's just over 300,000 square kilometres, Brecon and Radnor. So that is the biggest constituency in Wales. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming possibly Cardiff Central will be one of the smaller ones geographically, or one of the valley seats, maybe. Uh, it, the smallest one, I think, could uh, it could be Torvine. Oh, really? Basically. Well, it's on its own, Torvine. The local authority of Torvine oh. will be on its own as a local oh, authority area, if it goes through, obviously. Sure, Again, sure. these are just initial proposals. Lots can change between now and the revised proposals and the final stage. So this is what I, one of the things I wanted to, to talk about is, you say it's a, on the proviso it's going through automatically so long as everything goes through the correct procedure. Everyone talks about the potential of an early general election at the moment. When would this 
apply? So if there was a general election, say early next year, would these would these be the constituencies that election was fought on, or is there a no. certain t- temporal point we have to pass before they become the official no, constituencies? Um, we would have to submit out. We are we are going to be submitting our final recommendations in July twenty twenty three. So anything that happens between now and then will be run on the existing constituencies. And if that were to be the case, I'm assuming that these proposals would fall and the next circular review would be the one where Wales went down to 32. I think it would be a case of actually this would um, be paused because of Purda and et cetera, the, this process, and it would restart post general election and then continue and be submitted because we will have to do the next run of reviews in eight years after we, fi- we submit the final one. It should come in in 2031. As you say, these proposals are not final. So people can still get involved. How can they get involved? So there's a few different ways. Number one is you can submit your thoughts and your comments through our portals at bcw-reviews.org.uk. You can write to us via email, posts at, at uh, bcw-boundaries.wales, or you can write, us, write, write to us through the post. Um, if you'd like to do so, um, and you know, we, we'll take we'll take it. The only thing we can't do is we don't take Twitter comments as representation. So I know people are putting a lot of grief out on Twitter and their comments on social media. That is not a representation. If you don't like the name, write to us so we can actually officially record your your disappointment and your disgust with the choice of names we've, we've gone for. Or if you really like a particular name, tell us. If you you like a particular proposal and you like the fact that your area is changing and it works for you, tell us because saying nice things about us on Twitter, as much as it's lovely for the team and I to, to read it, um, we need to be able to officially record it and, and note it down as representation. So that's what's going to happen for the next eight weeks. After that happens, um, in early next year, we are going to publish all the representations we get and people can actually comment on the comments. I'm not sure what this will create uh, because I, I did laugh, uh, think about it. So, oh, if Mr. Jones from number 52 made a comment about his area and Mr. Williams down at number 54 hates it, Mr. Williams could comment on Mr. Jones's comment, and I'm not sure what we're going to start then. But that is the reality of, you know, it, it, to put it very, very simply, that's what happens. You can comment on the comments. We will then also run public hearings. We're going to be running five public hearings across Wales, where people can actually physically come and see us and give evidence to us and say, actually, um, I've got this better idea. Please, would you consider it? That's going to be run by our assistant commissioners. They will then prepare a report for our commissioners. And we're going to publish our revised proposals, hopefully in September 2022. There's going to be another round of public consultation where you can give comments. It's not going to be um, public hearings. It's going to be the written comments, written representations. And after that, we will rec- we will consider what we receive before we finally uh, publish the final set of recommendations that we submit to Westminster. Uh, comments on comments sounds great. Uh, I'm, the, I'm one of the <laughs> members of the team that looks after our YouTube channel. I can tell you that gets interesting really quick. Um, Shireen, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. If people want to hear more from you, where can they find you, uh, for example, on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Um, uh, you know, we've got our Boundary Commission Twitter account if you want to catch catch us there. Uh, you can also find me directly at Shireen Williams. It's my personal account, but you know what? I think after a while, you get, you know, you spend so much time on Twitter, it sort of becomes a bit of your life, really. I would, well, you know, I really would urge people um, to send us comments about the proposals. Don't send us comments about the numbers because there's nothing we can do about it. And it's a wasted opportunity, really, to influence the actual boundaries that I can't take that into account. So 
non, the, non, non political stuff. You know, but that's very much what Heroith is about. It's about creating <laughs> that engagement, and um, we'll be encouraging listeners to to engage with the process, Shireen. So fantastic! Great. Well, thank you very much. Uh, entering the room at this stage to talk about a little bit of the politics of this review, we've got our other member of the Heroith team, Richard Martin. Hello, Richard. Hey, Matt. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> You're right there, Kerry. Finding this funny already. Oh, Rich, Richard has got that radio voice down to a t- down to a T, hasn't he? That was Hello a late night radio host. Hello there, coming Fra- to you from Smooth Welsh Politics FM. Uh, a, little, a little bit of Fraser Crane in this. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> so, Rich, we'll start with you. What are your overall thoughts about this review? Big picture thing is, I think, particularly uh, when you look in the context of boundary reviews globally. I think we have to say that uh, the process here, bear in mind, putting aside the fact that the Boundary Commission is working to rules that are set by politicians, putting the rules aside, but I think you have to look at the process and say, well, this is actually a really well-run process done with the right priorities by the right people in the right way. And the openness and engage, you know, a- a- engaging approach of the people who run it is great. We are spared some of the gross partisan stuff that they see, particularly in America. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, they have no control of the fact that we're losing seats in Wales. Um, so we are down to 32, no matter what, which means that everybody uh, is going to be unhappy politically because everybody is going to lose uh, at least one seat. I think in that context, when you actually look at the map um, and you look at the reasoning behind it, I would say uh, that it's a very fair redistribution. It has some quirks. If you think about Wales as a three-party country, um, politically, I would say that all of those three parties will see, have reasons to be slightly aggravated, but largely okay. Um, And I don't buy, I particularly don't like bluster about how this map is being designed to disempower this party or that party. All of the people who've written op-eds over the last 24, 48 hours about that kind of stuff I think that they should just kind of grow up a little bit. We don't need that kind of pantomime stuff until Christmas. Um, how about you, Kerry? Agree totally with you. I think um, it was really interesting the the interview with Shireen, listening to how it's all been undertaken. There's no question it's been a, a rigorous process to get to where we are. I, th- I think it's quite clear it's a numbers game. It's got to come down to 32. And you've got that hard numbers. What was it? 73,000, 5% either way. I mean, you make things fit to that rather than make the cultural geographic links around that. And so I think what we've got, it's it's a new form of representation. There will be a lot of angst, as you said, Rich. People have written about it. And there are, you know, people have got long-standing beliefs on what a constituency is, how it should be set up. But uh, you know, on the on the wider topic of representation, that, that's what matters to me. We're not talking about proportional representation. We're still having a, an elected second chamber, eight fewer MPs in terms of representation. Even with 40, we weren't making a big difference at the a UK parliament level. And, you know, I go along with what Jess Blair, ERS Cymru, has been saying, and that, you know, we should be really be looking at our representation at the Senate to address the kind of what changes are here. And for me, I don't know if we'll come into it a little bit later, but it's the wider public representation at both the Senate level and at local government level. We should be looking at all of this in one to an extent and have a 
a representative approach fit for the 21st century. And I, I don't think we've got that. And this is just one of three arms of that representation, which we're looking at tonight. But uh, I think we will touch on the others as well. Matt, immediate thoughts? Probably as good a job as could be done, in fairness. There's some quirks, we'll get onto them. But really, I think, yeah, quite a fair review. It is obvious that it's not being gerrymandered. There's a few people who've been starting to say it's gerrymandered. This is not a gerrymandered review. We can show you some uh, American congressional districts if you want to see gerrymandering. This is just a bit of uh, quirks of Welsh geography here. The thing I wanted to talk about more was the, the, the harsh political reality of it all. And I think we'll go through all the parties uh, one by one. But... I, I think that overall, Labour and the Conservatives will be pretty happy with this and that Clyde will be a bit bit miffed. But yeah, let's we talk about Labour. Can I just get a quick um, comment in on what Carrie just said there, Matt? I just wanted to... What you're talking about representation there, Carrie, is really interesting because we are going to see more coherence in representation in that now all Welsh elections, be they national elections for the Senedd, and local government elections are going to be run by the Senedd, presumably working with closely with the Boundary Commission. You would think under the same kind of integrated thought, you know, it, ultimately there will be some coalescence with the way those elections are run in the future because they're being overseen by the same body. But at the same time, we've got this schism now because... UK elections are going to be run by a different parliament with different, you know, different government with a different set of priorities. So now you have one set of elections for Wales, which is going to definitely remain first past the post, votes at 18 and going to require voter ID and all of those things. And that's going to be for the union parliament, the imperial parliament. And then you would think that all elections in Wales are going to be you know, as they are now, votes at 16 plus, no voter ID, and to a greater or lesser extent, on the spectrum of proportional representation in those elections, ultimately at some point in the future, in, in terms of coherence. So I think it's really interesting that exactly what you're talking about, Kerry, about the idea that there should be some kind of unification. Well, on one side, or for two of the three elections that we have, we're going to have some of that. And then this third election is going to be run by a completely different set of rules. And I think that's interesting because even if Wales stands still with its uh, boundaries and its constituencies right now, Westminster elections are forking off uh, to a different place. Um, and I think that's that break with Westminster is quite a thing, actually. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, sorry to interrupt, Matt. But if you want us to talk about Labour, do you want to take, you know, you're our Labour expert. Do you want to, do you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah, so I think Labour will be quite happy with this, really. I mean, they'll say they're really annoyed and they don't want to lose any seats, but realistically, I think it's um, it's pretty good. Uh, they will, I think, on these boundaries, be able to take back a number of seats that they theoretically lost in 2019, although, of course, the, the boundaries won't quite match up, but they will spiritually represent the same sort of areas. But they do lose a number of, of other safe seats, certain places like Neath and uh, Ogmore, although Ogmore is becoming much of the new Bridgend seat. So, so can you explain what the rules are for Labour M sitting Labour MPs? Sure. Because where there are constituencies merging, what how does that work? And what what are your theories about the kind of uh, the runners and riders for potentially losing their seats or winning their you know winning the nomination or perhaps even stepping aside? 
Well, uh, my understanding of the rules is that where a constituency contains, where a new constituency contains 40% of an old constituency, the incumbent Labour MP can and uh, will automatically be, if they so choose, on the shortlist for the new selection. So theoretically, where there are new constituencies, there will have to be new selection processes. There are a number of MPs who I think may may take this opportunity to retire, uh, or, although I think that how many Welsh Labour MPs are there now? 22. And most most of these maps have uh, been drawn up by people who are even bigger political nerds than me and you and Terry, Rich, uh, that Labour will end up on about 21 of these new seats. So I think there'll be a bit of a, a fuss, but they'll broadly end up in, in, the, in a similar sort of place. I mean, people like Chris Elmore, whose Ogmore seat will no longer exist, I'm assuming will probably end up fighting the new Bridgen seat and, and things like that. You know, that's, that's what I envisage will happen. I think there's also going to be more, there's going to be more northern seats going to Labour than any of these maps have given them credit for. Bangor going into Aberconwy makes that a much more competitive seat for Labour. The Rill going into Cloyd will make that a bit more tasty. Um, and they'll they'll want to hold on to Allen and Decides, the one northern seat they've still got we've still got currently, and they'll want to take Wrexham back as well. So I think they'll 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 probably pick up at least two of those in the north. It also the review has solidified the majority of a few seats. So Newport East is a really good example here, where Jess Morden's majority was was cut in half, really, or even more so. It absolutely um, dropped hugely in, in the 2019 general election in Newport East. Uh, but much of the former Labour, well, much of the Labour voting parts of Newport West will now be in that Newport East seat. So that should really solidify the majority there. What do you think about uh, how Labour should be feeling, Rich? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, all of the the, the three parties, um, as we, you know, we'll talk about them all in turn, but I think they've all got causes to be happy and sad. One of the good results for Labour that hasn't been talked about here is I and I am probably the least um, the least informed of the three of us here about the actual ward level kind of votes uh, I suspect but I looked at Llanelli and I thought that the enlarged Llanelli seat I thought that probably makes it more Labour-y because like you know the Plaid has been a long standing target seat for Plaid Cymru for years and I think this probably pushes it out of uh, out of contention the the one that I thought I looked at and I thought does that make it a bit more risky well is your old hinterland map what what was Newport West and, and what do you, what do you think about because you know that seat really quite well and to me it kind of looked a little bit more like it could fall to the Conservatives in its sort of future the way it's envisioned here in the future than perhaps before the major issue with me answering that question to you right now Rich is that I don't know those parts of Cofilia, which have been included in the new Newport West and Cofilia seat, I don't know them very well. So I can't honestly, hand on heart, say to you that is a going to be a Labour or a Conservative seat because I just don't know the, the Cofilia part well enough. Of the bits of Newport West, the old Newport West seat, they're in now in that Newport West and Cofilia seat. They are the more Conservative parts. Places like Alterine, if you're from uh, actually from Newport, but places that are should be pronounced Ashleran. Roger Stone um, at the moment has one Conservative, one Labour and one Newport Independence Party uh, councillor. So that can sort of swing that kind of way. Places like the Grig and stuff also very Conservative leaning. Those parts of the seat are, are more Conservative than than the rest. There's the places that Newport West have lost that, that used to sort of 
keep the keep keep the suit labor really up is like pill or piquently pill in newport parlance betis malpas etc which are and stowe hill which like i said are now part of newport east well, I, did, I did a lot of my a-level geography work around stowe hill and Alterin matters taking me back one of the one of the areas of wales i'm less familiar with you might both of you might know what was the red wall in the last election, northeast Wales? How, how do, you, do you see anything changing in there? I'm looking at the map now, and um, Montgomeryshire is merging further northwards. How do you see that? Because you know Montgomeryshire would have been a Lib Dem opportunity, and we haven't talked around Lib Dem here, which is currently no representation, and I think we will. But do, do you see that? Has that made that seat more of a Conservative definite now? I mean, it's already a conservative definite, isn't it, Montgomeryshire? I mean, they finished they finished um, third in the Senate election and the Lib Dems. I mean, I, I don't think their vote is up to much really there anymore, is it? I'd probably agree. I mean, I'm I'm not a particular expert in that part of Wales, but I probably agree. Should we should we use that as a um, a springboard to talk about the Conservatives? Because um, I, I would say that what you've just said, Matt, is actually applies to a number of the the current currently held Conservative constituencies. Uh, Bracken Radner, I think looks uh, more conservative um, uh, after if this map was to be um, created and I think that would be really it basically uh, it would entrench the incumbents in almost every one of these seats I think that's probably the pattern that I would see the most um, is it what's the new one um, I can't remember the name of it the south what is south Pembrokeshire at the moment I mean that's going to be that is going to be true blue there's a good chance that the conservatives could take Carmarthen and that's you know, that's a very interesting two-way fight, potentially quite a close one. I think uh, that's a three-way marginal. Oh, uh, really? I think uh, that new commandancy could very easily be a three-way marginal. The new Ernest Morn, exciting stuff. Mm. I think the thing we don't know about the Conservative chances, if this map were to, to go forward, uh, in Wales, the 2019 election was very similar to the, is it the 83 election, where it, it feels a little bit like a high watermark for the Conservatives. And we saw in the Senate election that they, they may be, that momentum had kind of stalled and maybe drifted back a little bit. I think it'd be very interesting if we get an early election before this map or something like it is put forward, because we'll get a real feel for whether the Conservatives have peaked in their recent form uh, in Wales or whether there's still ground to make up. But my, my gut would be that they have peaked and where they are now very firmly competitive in the more urban areas, I think that will probably recede and the, the seats will be more likely to revert to Labour seats than they would be to stay as Conservative seats in this, this new configuration. Yeah, I agree with you. I massively agree with you. I think, I think it depends where you're looking at. I think there's going to be intricacies that. So I, I think Wrexham is probably more conservative post these changes than what it was previously. I, I think you know we can look at Bridgen. Bridgen should be be Labour, um, but you know Wrexham, which is one of the standout seats from the last election, I, I see that as the changes uh, making that more conservative. I, I think Labour will put a lot of money and resource into trying to get those seats back. I think that they will uh, view 2019 as a Brexit election that they can quite happily, with a big, big heave, can overcome in a lot of those seats. Um, and I think Wrexham would be one of them. I think, like I said, there are certain little changes, like real going into COVID and stuff, that make that more competitive. And I think that 
there's a real chance i think that you could see a lot of those seats switch back to uh to labor i just i just feel it in my bones somewhere i think there's a chance they can they're in play but we're just look we're talking now about the boundaries and the new areas that are going into boundaries and what those kind of the demographic voting in those areas and that, that, that's what i'm suggesting is wrexham i think we're going out into a more wider more rural more affluent areas into that constituency that's only gonna probably benefit one particular party well, shall we talk about uh, Ply Cymru then? Because um, I know you have strong feelings about this, Matt. Uh, so do you want to kick us off? Indeed. Um, like I said, I think this is really bad for Plaid. They currently have four MPs. I think that on a bad day, they could end up with one. That new for, newly formed Doivo Meriones seat is, you know, the greater Gwynedd area is um, as safe as houses Plaid that'll, that'll return a a Plaid MP no matter what I think we noted that Carmarthenshire sheet would be a bit problematic uh, it probably require it well I think it almost certainly will require a new Plaid candidate to stand there I don't think Jonathan Edwards will represent it's very unlikely Jonathan Edwards will be representing the party uh, the next election like I said I think it might be a three-way marginal I think it'd be really really important to make yourself out to be the possible winners there for the future and uh, I think Plaid will be able to certainly do that but I think it's it's something they've got to absolutely go for straight away we had to we had to we well one thing we did uh disagree on somewhat and the other the other day in the in our hereth uh, group chat was Abbott conway but i think we now agree that following banger being in that seat i don't think clyde will be in, in competition there uh and the the one seat that i think we've all been talking about as ivan morgan jones has called it kerry dig along the uh kerry diggian Priscelli seat i think if you look at the increase in the vote in Kerrigan for the Conservatives in the last few elections, plus the fact it's got you've got large bits of Pembrokeshire in that. I really think that's going to be a proper two-way plied Tory tussle moving forward. I think if if anyone can keep hold of that seat for Plaid it's it's Ben Lake, but that is going to be a serious, serious ask, I think. Yeah, so I, I think, uh, yeah, I largely agree. I mean, just a little bit of context. Ply Cymru have four MPs, uh, which is their joint highest of all time. So this is kind of like an outlier position for them. So um, if you look at the historical average, it does tend to be two um, or two or three over the last couple of decades. So my reaction uh, to looking at this, and I, I think... You know, as as I said at the at the top, all parties are going to lose in this because we're having fewer seats. And I think Plaid will look at this and say, yes, we lose. You know, because far smaller number of seats, it it feels a lot bigger. But I think that they'll look at it and think, well, it's bad, but it's not as bad as it could have been. And there's a few reasons why I think that. I mean, one, I think that coming out of this review, if you said that, and, and appreciate we disagree about Caradigion Priscelli, because I I feel that that's a very strong, I feel it's a much more likely um, uh, applied win than Conservative win. And um, it was, you know, I think if you look look around a number of the the reviews, including um, Amir at uh, Derin has written a nice little. Uh, write-up of the changes I think she she 
considered it quite a, um, a banker for Plaid as well. Not a banker, but certainly a strong case, particularly with a good candidate. I think if you said to Plaid, there's a strong chance that you'll come out of this review looking like you'll win two seats, I think that would have been grudgingly accepted. Ernest Morn is going to stay a three-way split. I, I, I hadn't spotted that Bangor had switched uh, into new Aberconroy. I think that does make it more difficult for Plaid Cymru to be a contender there. Uh, Carmarthen, yeah, really interesting. In the situation where they still had... I'm, I'm not entirely sure about what the situation with Jonathan Edwards is. I think he's still suspended from the group. Or is he... I'm not even sure if he's applied Cymru representative. I don't know, to be honest with you. But um, if they'd had a strong incumbent, I think that Plaid would have really thought that that's a, you know, a good chance of keeping that. But given the circumstances around uh, Jonathan Edwards right now, I think... Yeah, it, it makes it more difficult for them to retain it. Um, or, or I say retain because it has the name Carmarthen in the title, but, you know, to to win it in in this configuration. As I mentioned earlier, I think Llanelli, oh, it's an interesting one. It's probably been pushed out of out of the way now, but looking at somewhere where those, those new uh, wards are, it's very difficult to see where Plaid can win a seat elsewhere, um, which is, you know, Plaid Cymru's problem at Westminster elections, for you know forever the one thing that i would say that i you know picking up something that shireen said in the earlier interview that i think is really true and you see it in the map straight away is when uh, adam price was elected as leader or just before he was he talked a lot about uh, arvordir the coast of the the welsh language heartlands which is essentially stretches from the Llyn down to north pembrokeshire um, and you look at where, where plaid cymru is likely to hold seats it's exactly that map and maybe Ernest Morn, you know, we'll see what happens with Ernest Morn in the future. I think that this is an interesting position for Ply Cymru because we talked a lot after the Senate election about Ply Cymru needing to revisit its strategy about what it is trying to do and where it is trying to win. Um, because Leanne's sort of long term slowly move the valleys towards voting for Plaid came to a rather abrupt end when Adam took over and there was a different focus and a much more yeah a, a much more uh uh conventional what you might have considered a conventional nationalist party kind of vibe um and i think it played well in in seats that Plain Cymru already hold so looking at where this um review suggests that there will be future constituencies i think you would look at Plain Cymru's chances and say well where are you going to spend your relatively modest resources relatively small party and i think that the sensible thing to do would be to bolster the seats that you think you have a good chance of winning and that makes it very difficult then to be competitive in places like the ronda like internationally um, carfilly and elsewhere but maybe that's what they have to do to keep those mps because keeping mps in the uk parliament is kind of essential for a party that wants to keep the profile applied does in Wales so you know we, we slightly disagree on this but I would say it's not optimal but I don't think it's a disaster I think it's a I think it's a sort of grudging acceptance that it could have been worse you, if you talk about small and ever declining resources Rich the one way that that's absolutely gonna hit hardest is if Plaid lose MPs they half the amount of MPs they get and they lose all the resources that come from that all the infrastructure that comes from having the staff and the office space and the, and the, and the pull, then that will really hit them hard. 
Yeah, sure. And it hits disproportionately because it's such a relatively small number of MPs. Like if, if for example, if Labour were to lose two or three MPs overall representing Wales in this after this review is implemented, then it doesn't really kind of have the same kind of effect. But, you know, the same kind of loss on Plaid would obviously be really challenging. I don't think it could be worse. Do you have any thoughts on Plaid, Cymru, uh, Kerry? No, you two have stolen all my scripted comments. <laughs> Thank you very much, gents. No, it's very much about that recognition. You just covered it. In terms of total seat numbers, if you're losing 50% of your seats, it, it's a massive loss in it. All that implies, you know, one of the one of the websites I looked at was the electoral calculus, and that does say play the going from four to two. Labour, interestingly, mapped down to 18 from 22, and Conservatives, you know, doing marginally best in terms of loss of seats, um, just losing two, going down to 12. And, you know, there's some either way there, but the biggest hit is going to be played, whichever way we look at it, isn't it? So are we going to talk about any other parties in this context? Because we, we should, in, in maybe quiet and respectful tones, talk about the Liberal Democrats, maybe. Oh, all of them. Do, do, do any of these look even... Do you, I mean... I mean, the last election was not a good one uh, for um, the Lib Dems, um, and they're, they're on a bit of a run, apart from the European elections, they're on a bit of a run of uh, poor form, so to speak. There's nothing immediately here that suggests that any of these seats were going to be more, com you know, more competitive or even retain the same level of footprint. And I almost feel a little bit, we're talking about Plaid being relatively smaller than Labour and Conservative, but given the dwindling, ever dwindling numbers of representatives of Lib Dems, just wonder as constituencies get bigger, they're just going to be even more difficult for them to fight and try and win again. Caradigion uh, Priscelli does not look great for them. Bracken and Radner, I really, I think, I mean, it feels like that's gone. And when Kirsty was speaking on Walescast, she just she did say, "Hey, this is a conservative area, and we did really well to win it at the Senate for a number of years." Any any hope? What about what about Cardiff? I mean, it, what, what's the situation? In, I mean, Cardiff Central used to be a, used to have a, um, a Lib Dem MP. Is that is that gone? Oh, so gone, so 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 gone. The the bit of Cardiff I'm from, Kincoid, but it used to be very very helpful for Lib Dems. But essentially, what it is is an area that's full of conservatives who just want to stop Labour winning, so they voted Lib Dem, and very quite Brexity part of uh, the constituency. And as soon as the Lib Dems went on their revoke quest, all those people that were not voting Lib Dem then will vote Tory. So now the Conservatives come second in Cardiff Central. They are miles and miles away from, from ever getting that seat back. Absolutely. I, I think you both find that Cardiff Central will go green at the, the next election. Just putting that out there. Uh, Plaid Cymru standing a candidate, Kerry. I didn't know they I didn't I didn't know they were gonna do that. Very cheeky, Matthew, for a young man from North Cardiff. Good stuff. So uh, I think just just to kind of step back then a little bit, I think one of the interesting things is just to think about the fact that the, the UK wide balance, so this election or the future elections that are based on the revised constituencies that all of the boundary commissions are putting together right now. We talked about this with Shireen. So Wales is losing, losing eight. I think Scotland is losing, is it three? I can't remember how many. Um, but they're two. losing two from Scotland and England is gaining ten. You could have worked that out, really, in the maths, Rich, couldn't you? Ouch. Yeah, it's been a long day. So, you know, putting aside all of the conspiracy theories about this is being done 
for party political reasons. I think it's, it's difficult not to see this as being a fortunate time for a Conservative government to be reshaping the constituency map of the UK because it has been underrepresented in England for some time and a lot of the new constituencies that will be coming in England will be coming in places where the Conservatives will feel that as long as they don't make it a mess of governing between now and the next election, which you, you never know the way things are going at the moment, that this will mean that, say, for example, we projected the 2019 results onto the, these constituency maps that are being drawn up now as part of this cons consultation. It likely means that you see an enhanced number of Conservatives uh, in Westminster, reduced numbers of Labour um, and uh, Plaid Cymru and uh, probably SNP, I'm guessing. I haven't looked at the Scottish map. If we look at when this next election takes place, would we feel that this change alone kind of makes uh, um, it more likely that we have a future Conservative government in the UK, even even if it's a byproduct of a apolitical process? I, I don't think we need to go into that much. We're talking about some total of 10 different seats, really. And, you know, we're talking about a Conservative party with a majority of 60, is it? You know, even if all 10 changes went Conservative, which is very unlikely. It's, it's not going to make much difference on that. The, the future of the next election is going to be won on far greater things than um, 10 changes of seats. It, I, I mean, the redrawing of the boundaries and the re-equalisation of it does take a lot of um, Labour's natural advantage away. You can see that in Wales. The Labour tend to win in smaller, geographically, smaller city seats in, in England too. Uh, and I think that if you are equalizing some of those constituencies up then you will take away places like london constituencies like in london where labor you know weigh the votes but if they're if they're split up in different ways there's no guarantee you're going to have as many labor mps in those areas if you see what i mean so i, I think overall the boundary commission in england as well is is not particularly great for labor so it will have an it will have an impact on their ability to win an, an election at westminster level Scotland, it doesn't really matter because there's only one of them anyway. Scotland, yeah. Scotland took its pain at the last review, didn't it, where they lost quite a number of seats last time around. But anyway, I think, uh, you know, really extraordinary work by the Boundary Review Commission uh, and, and really great to see a, a Wales-only map being released as a standalone thing rather than as an appendage to England. I think that really helps with the visibility and the public debate around these constituencies and um, we'll, we'll all look forward to the final map being agreed and then uh, hopefully we might even see this one implemented um, not railroaded by another sh snap election but we wait and see right before we go i want to see if anyone has any favorite stats or oddities from the, the map that's been drawn up does anyone have anything because i've got a couple if anyone has hasn't anyone anyone you, you, you lead the way matt and we'll see if we can think of some quickly so uh, one of my favourite things, Cardiff Central, the only Cardiff seat now to comprise solely of Cardiff wards. Cardiff North and West have bits of the former Pontypridd constituency, and Cardiff South has, as it always did, bits of the Vale of Glamorgan. Friend of the pod, Meg Thomas, said it's impressive that Cardiff South of Penarth uh, makes somewhat less sense than it did before. But I, uh, but I, but I, uh, I think it's always had a bit of the Vale, so that's fine. Um, and there was some consternation about not having Denbyshire as a constituency, 
Um, but this is the first time ever, apparently, that Rill and Prostatin have been in different constituencies, like the twin towns of the northeast, the north coast. So those are, those are my favourite little stats and oddities that we've, we've created from this map. Anyone else? No, no oddities for me. I, I, I don't, I'm not overly worried on the representation. I know there's a lot of angst, but we're talking about the large constituencies, but we're used to those now, really, with the Senate and regional... Uh, representation and zoom so even the the long coastal one i, I think mp the, the way a mp can represent you know is is done far differently to what it was even 10 years ago so i think we're used to that but nothing you're, you're far too much of a geek mark looking at these details I, I just wanted to say uh, kudos to uh, Sir Valduin and uh, Glyndur Montgomeryshire and Glyndur cracking name scheme uh not spelling it glendower i think yeah full points for me i think that's a that's a real win well i mean even in our group chat we've been enjoying the naming of them i mean uh we well i, I think we all enjoy kerry digalong <laughs> morgan jones's uh creation but we've uh, we took it to calling it little italy didn't we in the yeah. in the group chat <laughs> yeah it has a, it has a, a sort of slightly sicilian kind of vibe to it doesn't it with Pembrokeshire is the end of the boot. Anyway, right, yes, full credit to the whole team at the Boundary Commission. Amazing work, great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, remember to get in touch with them, give your feedback, give your report, write to them, email them, don't tweet angrily at them. Tweet angrily at us instead. Uh, well, thank you very much for listening this evening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do not forget to find us on Medium at Here I Pod Cymru, on Facebook at Here I Pod Cymru, and on Twitter at Here I Blog. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so again on Twitter. Kerry, where can people find you on Twitter? Still Kerry the Viking, Matthew. Wonderful. Mr. Martin? You can uh, tweet angrily at Mimosa Cymru. And you can find me on uh, Twitter at Hexter101. H-E-X-T-E-R-101. Jokobawa. Thank you for listening to Hereith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.